Welcome to San Diego News Fix. I'm Abby Hamblin, filling in for Christy Totten. Today, we're going to be sharing a clip from the Name Drop San Diego podcast, which Christy and I host together. On this upcoming episode of the show, we talk to California Senate Pro Tem Tony Atkins about her career in politics, which she started right here in San Diego. You'll hear a bit of that coming up, and you can hear the full thing on Tuesday by checking out the Name Drop San Diego podcast on your favorite listening app. But first, the news. Some of San Diego's top officials are calling on the federal government to lift pandemic restrictions at the U.S.-Mexico border after the Department of Homeland Security announced that they will remain in place through at least July 21st. The land border crossing has been closed to non-essential travel since March 2020. Officials say the restrictions are hurting the regional economy. A study released this week found that before the pandemic, nearly 40% of San Diego homeowners were spending one third or more of their income on mortgages and related costs. That put San Diego at the third highest in the nation for income spent on mortgages behind only Los Angeles and Miami. San Diego officials say they're feeling better prepared for wildfires in 2021 thanks to new city and state policies. The city has implemented a new campaign to evaluate the safety of homes near canyons and respond more quickly to complaints about flammable brush. You grew up in Virginia and still have a bit of the accent to prove it. Uh, How do you feel like growing up there shaped who you are today? Well, I think uh, I do still have the accent. Uh, (laughs) 35 years later, you think there'd be a little modification, but obviously not. Um, You know, it it, it of course shaped my approach to the world and and how I work today. I grew up uh, in pretty much rural poverty. My parents were blue collar working class folks that couldn't work their way out of poverty. And so the issues I work on today uh, in elected office, uh, I grew up without health care. I grew up in substandard housing, a house with no running water. You know, to this day, uh, the bathroom is my favorite room in the house uh, because of that. Um, so I work on affordable housing. I work on um, health care. And of course, you know, I'm a member of the LGBT community and uh, coming out uh, very quietly in southwestern Virginia when I was 18, 19 years old. Um, you know, I work on issues of equality and for women, women's reproductive rights. I spent time in a women's work, you know, as a manager of a women's clinic. And, and so I think all of those intersections, um, really have a bearing on who I am and how I approach, uh, public service, um, and pretty much everything else. I'm sure that's all our stories, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. You mentioned your coming out story. Um, You came out in 1982. Would you mind sharing that with us? Well, again, I'm going to tell you it was a soft coming out. I was in Southwest Virginia uh, in college uh, at Emory & Henry College. I had a wonderful advisor and professor, Steve Fisher, who, you know, with the support around me and, and a few friends, you know, we, we work to be visible in ways, but he reminded me, you know, you've got to be concerned about your safety. Um, and, and so I, I did take that to heart, but we found ways to work together uh, to do incredible things when I was in college. Um, I 
worked on a, a program to bring Holly Near, a Californian, by the way, um, to campus to, to uh, be part of a nuclear disarmament um, symposium with Helen Caldicott and Admiral Zumwalt, very controversial issues back in those days. And I brought the music. I brought Holly Near, who sang about, um, you know, the LGBT community. And uh, that was quite radical there. Today, it would not seem so, and it wouldn't even be so in Virginia. But, you know, and coming out to my parents was also a little bit of a process. Um, I wouldn't say they uh, understood, but I am so fortunate. My parents uh, really unconditionally love their kids. And um, they, they loved me and I'm not sure they understood it, but um, the, you know, I always felt the love of my parents. And I think that's, a, that's something I really value because I've heard the stories of other members of the LGBTQ community um, who were kicked out, who, you know, and, and that's just a hard thing to, to come through because we need the love and support of parents. And uh, it's why I always love PFLAG, you know, and the early prides in San Diego. Um, they were the group that marched that got the biggest applause uh, because it was the friends and families of, of those of us who were celebrating pride. I think it's, it's sometimes easy to forget now that gay marriage was only legalized not too long ago at all. At this point, you know, we kind of, well, I don't want to say we take it for granted, but it seems like it's been here a while, but that wasn't always the case. And especially for you getting into politics, you know, being open from such a young age or, you know, somewhat open. I mean, what was it like being in politics at a time when even members of your own party were opposed to gay marriage? Well, you know, I have the benefit of, of having the mentor, Christine Kehoe, who was the first open LGBT person elected to the city council in San Diego. That was, that was a movement. Um, I will say, coming from Virginia to San Diego, I loved San Diego. My first Pride was 1986 in San Diego. I got here late 85. I missed Pride. But I, just, to, just to feel that you could be out and open in the community for a day with, with people surrounding you so you felt safe and you could celebrate that pride. Um, but, you know, Chris really um, was the trailblazer. So when I um, followed behind her, um, it was so much easier for me. These trailblazers, people like Chris, that made it easier for us, which is not to say there aren't issues for others and there weren't issues for me, but having that positive example of someone who really served all of the community in District 3, I mean, there was a time I went to work for her where, you know, I heard from more than one person on the 10th floor at City Hall, well, what is your agenda going to be? You know, they assume, what is that gay agenda? And we laugh about it now, but it was a serious question then. They thought we were going to come in and I don't know, uh, change the curtains at City Hall. That would have been a plus, let me tell you, if you've ever <laughs> been up there. But, but, you know, Chris did fight for equality and we did get domestic partnership. And when I was on the council, I led the charge to get the amicus brief to support marriage. And you'll remember the heartfelt Mayor Jerry Sanders reversal of his position because he's the father of an LGBTQ daughter. And, um, you know, I'll forever be grateful. I thanked him for being a good dad, you know, uh, but he was a leader that day. So there were moments, but I just, I just feel so fortunate to have followed people who really made it easier for me. And of course, I hope that some of the things I've been able to do in office uh, make it easier for others. I was actually myself and Rich Gordon in the legislature 
were the first married couples as we were sworn in to the assembly in 2010. We were the first LGBT married couples uh, or to have a, a spouse that were gay uh, sworn in. And, but, but that came after Chris Kehoe had to deal with, along with Sheila Kuehl and Jackie Goldberg from the LA area and Carol Migdon from the Bay area, they formed the LGBT caucus in Sacramento in the legislature. And the, if, you, if you see the film, Political Animals that Carol Migdon did, there's footage of what they had to deal with and the kinds of comments that were leveled at them on the floor of the legislature. And, and some of the Democratic colleagues who were very shy, they wanted to be there, our allies. So I will tell you, I, I am fortunate I followed, uh, I followed uh, some of those hard moments and we still had it here. I did the Gender Recognition Act. I did the, um, uh, a bill to talk about the definition of sex to include gender identity. I swear people ask me, is that a bathroom bill? So, you know, even, even enlightened folks. So it hasn't been without some interesting challenges, but I, you know, I just am so appreciative to have followed people like those members into the legislature. Um, our history is rich. I, and that is something I'm really, really proud of. Yeah. So now being, you know, one of the most powerful people in California, you know, having been in the many roles you've been in, what are kind of the issues today or concerns today, or maybe some of the strengths, um, but also the challenges of being such a high level um, LGBTQ community leader? Well, you know, I think of, uh, you know, Kamala Harris being the vice president, the first woman, first woman of color, API and African-American um, you know, she knew she was going to be, you know, as she went through that process, she, you couldn't help but know she was the first. When I was becoming the speaker and the pro tem, the Senate leader, it didn't, it wasn't like that. It was, it was how do you uh, offer the support to your colleagues to be able to be in the position to provide that leadership? So it wasn't really clear that I was marking those grounds uh, as they happened. They just unfolded. And I sort of looked back and said, wow, yeah, that, that was we, we did that. I, you know, I credit the foundation in San Diego. Uh, let me just tell you what the gains we made in San Diego to get Chris elected and then me. And of course you see Todd Gloria. How are we not just thrilled uh, to see him as the mayor of San Diego, not just LGBTQ, but a person of color. Um, and, you know, as I look at it now, um, I think our challenges are, we fought so long to get things like um, recognition of LGBTQ. And now we have all these incredible young people coming along, just put, turning it on the head. You know, gender fluidity and uh, just, just their whole approach. I learn from them every day. And so I think our challenges for the older community of LGBTQ, be open to the younger generation and what they are helping us accomplish and what they're teaching us. And to the younger generation, I would say, you know, be mindful of what it took to get here because some of those comments leveled at us when we were trying to, to get equality were painful. And, and of course, the challenges we have, look, uh, we, are, we are beginning to really understand the intersectionality, that's a great word, but in reality, it means that the LGBTQ plus community is diverse within itself. 
So when we see members of the API community having, uh, you know, being put in jeopardy and harm's way and safety and the hate, that affects us. When we see the African-American community and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, that does affect us. There are many African-American members of the LGBTQ community. And we will look at our trans siblings, particularly trans women and the murders, the list becomes longer and longer. What we need to realize is our fight is a broader one. We've had to fight for position and space to be part of the marginalized community of acceptance. And now that we've gained this influence and this power, we have to use it to be able to expand the broad understanding of all communities. So we have a great opportunity, but the challenges are how do we, how do we be open to each other as, as we make our points? So our stories matter. Our stories really, really matter. My story of growing up poor, that's about realizing that a poor kid from Appalachia with the right support, the right support that we all deserve can be successful. And I want that for, for everyone. And so pride is, our pride now is really about being able to express our true authentic self. That's a real phrase that has meaning and value. Um, but it, it is also about the recognition that we have achieved a lot and boy, we have an opportunity to do so much more. And if we have the seat of influence and power, we have to be mindful of the responsibility and, and what it entails. And so I'm excited about all those things. I'm Abby Hamblin, and this has been your San Diego News Fix.